Welcome to episode 40 of Tap the Craft. My name is Denny Luce, and along with my buddy John Ream, we are going to guide you on your craft beer journey by passing along our knowledge and experience to you, the listener. We are recording on Sunday, January 31st, 2016, and in this episode, we will be discussing the homebrew process of switching from malt extract brewing into an all-grain brewing. We also have a listener question that involves IPA saturation, and we have an article with some suggestions for creating Super Bowl appetizers using beer. And, of course, you can always expect some good old beer banter from John and myself. But before we get into all that great beer talk, John, how are you doing tonight? I'm exhausted. Oh. Uh, so, <clears throat> if you're following along on Twitter, you'll see that... Uh, my son Ben turned one uh, since we last recorded, and so we had, you know, a party for that and family in town, a whole bunch of stuff. And then right after all that, uh, he got his one-year checkup and got all his shots and stuff. Oh, no. So now he's just completely miserable. Oh. And, uh, but Kristen and I are using beer to get us through. So good, good. Awesome, I guess. All right. <laughs> any any uh, uh, homebrew that, uh, that you're using? to get you by uh yeah yeah uh russian imperial stout vanilla stout barley wine wow <laughs> all right well, that's a good so. that's a good mix-up right there you got a lot of good heavy stuff to to mell you out actually yeah i gotta i gotta make sure i can clear some of this and lighten it up by the time spring comes so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well but now that you're gonna be brewing 10 gallon batches uh are you gonna have room to store all this beer. Are you going to be able to drink it fast enough so you don't just have beer just laying around all over the place? That's a good question. Um, but I do have like uh, 12 kegs or something like that that I can have filled. Um, but I might have to start a, a growler program with friends to take some of the stuff. Yeah. So. Yeah. You join a membership club. Hey, join the, <laughs> the John Ream <laughs> Cedar Rose Brewing membership club and you too can get a growler full of beer every week. That's okay. right. <laughs> right. Yeah, that that'll work. That'll work. So I, I don't I don't want to get off in too big of a tangent, but you have twelve kegs that you can put the beer in. But once you keg the beer, can you where where would you store it? Can you store it in your cellar and it will stay okay, or do you have to keep it chilled to, to have the best luck with it? Uh, in the winter, I can keep it in the garage. The garage stays below 50 degrees okay um so that's cold enough uh in the spring and summer it's going to be more of a challenge so i'll have to get a little more creative okay okay you, um, you need to buy a, a another big giant uh, chest freezer to convert into uh <laughs> not a kegerator but just at least a cold storage like a little yeah <laughs> yeah that's what i need There's more refrigeration in this house my, my electric bill isn't bad enough as it is <laughs> well or you could just turn your whole garage into a cooler yeah well, i'll just make it a cold room yeah a cold room that would work <laughs> oh all right well hey you know what we already started talking about beer but before we start talking too much about beer Let's drink a beer while we do it. So, John, what are you drinking tonight while we talk about craft beer? So, I am drinking a DC Brow on the wings of Armageddon. Uh, it's an Imperial IPA uh, from a brewery out of Washington, D.C. Mm -hmm. And 
my aunt and uncle came out for uh, Ben's birthday, and to survive the party, my uncle showed up with three growlers, a 12-pack of this, a um, couple bottles of Freem, uh, and some wine. <laughs> wow. So he was... Uh, he was hooking everybody up in the, in the kitchen with, uh, beverages. Um, and, uh, I'll talk about one of the, uh, growlers that he brought in a little bit, but, okay. um, I, I've had this, uh, this Imperial IPA before through him. Uh, it's really nice, huge hop in the nose carries through, uh, through the whole beer. Um, and the artwork on the cans is really, really cool too. So if you're out on the East Coast and you can get your hands on some DC Brow, uh, I, I definitely recommend it. Nice. Uh, what, what he's provided for me, it's all been good. So oh. uh, how about you, Denny? What do you have tonight? Well, I am drinking some beer from down south, Southern California, SoCal area. Well, actually, you know what? It's not even, it's kind of mid-California, I guess, from Firestone Walker. And I got a 12-pack, a mixer. And uh, one of the beers in this mixer is the famous Double Barrel L. So I'm drinking Double L- Barrel L tonight. Uh, Robert will be excited to hear that. Yes, Robert's <laughs> favorite beer. Uh, he loves this stuff. It is good. Um, I I am a little disappointed because John, uh, you know, we I I've been posting beers that I've been drinking. I've already had all the beers that are in this mixer, but I don't you know see these mixers very often. I thought, oh, it's a great opportunity to go ahead and get four different beers and, and give it a shot. And I picked it up thinking that this was going to be a, you know, a beer that isn't on the shelves or isn't, you know, is going to be fresh because it was at a, at a major brand uh, grocery store. I get it home and I start drinking it. I'm like, ah, it's okay. And then you tell me, hey, you might be drinking some old beer. And sure enough, I look on the bottle and the freaking bottle is four months old. These All these beers are four months old. And I got really disappointed. I looked in the box, and on the box of this 12, you know, it's a cardboard box, and on the box there was a spot that said uh, date, you know, date bottled or whatever, and it was blank. They didn't put a date on it. So I'm really kind of disappointed that I got a box of old Firestone Walker beer. Um, But you know what? They're still good. I I think, yeah, some of the hops have dropped out. It's not as good as if it was, you know, one month old. Uh, but the beers still aren't bad, but I'm going to have to revisit it again and re, you know, I didn't, I did, I, I did change that, that Pell 31. Is that what it was? Pell 31? Yeah. Uh, I had had this on tap like two or three years ago and I wasn't that big of a fan of it when I had it on tap. Uh, I had a, the bottle I had this time was a little bit better, but it was missing. I'm assuming there's some good hops in there because, all I got was a lot of uh, malt in the in the front end of that beer, uh, but I did raise my my first rating was a two when I had it on draft. I didn't like it much at all, and then now I raised it to a three. So when I revisit it again uh, with a hopefully a fresh bottle, I can then up that rating even more. So John, that pale thirty one is that a beer that that you enjoy? Yeah, I like that one. Um... And I'll pick up a, a six pack of time to time when it's available from time to time if it's available. Okay. So. Okay. And and does it not? I mean, d- does it have a, a decent malt character to it, or is it pretty much a lot of hops that you you taste? Um, I, I think it's a pretty well balanced pale ale. Okay. Um, so 
it's probably going to suffer a little faster from from age because it it's not you know basically an IPA labeled a pale ale yeah type thing so, okay um, which is kind of what I like about it <laughs> it's not over the top yeah a lot of stuff now well so. what's kind of cool too is all the beers that you know all four of the beers it was a the pale uh, the session which is easy jack which by far is like still one of the best session IPAs there is. Um, and the IPA and this uh, double barrel ale, they're all like 5% or right, you know, or less. They're all like right around, a, you know, a decent lower ABV, which is kind of nice. You can drink a few of them. You're not going to, you know, feel that you're going to get lightheaded and dizzy, you know, ha- enjoying some of these beers. Okay, John. Well, now that we are talking about what we are drinking now, what have you had that you would love to tell our listeners about that is a noteworthy beer that they should probably go out and find themselves? All right. So I'll start off with uh, one of the growlers that my uncle brought over, <clears throat> and that's from Ruben's Brews. And it's their Tart Cherry Vice, uh, which is a Berliner Vice uh, aged with the uh, tart cherries or maybe not age but with tart cherries added to it uh and that this beer was tremendous um the the cherry character was really nice and and uh it wasn't overly tart uh which i think can can happen and be a problem uh with with some like this it was just just the right amount uh and uh i kept going back to that one um i i probably drank most of that growler by myself uh, that night um but it was just a, a really good use of of fruit with uh you know a berliner vice which on its own would be you know a, li- a little tart but still refreshing mm-hmm. and you know adding these tart cherries this beer was still refreshing because i kept going for it so <laughs> um I, I really enjoyed that beer wow wow they don't bottle that huh uh no i i think that's only in the tap room okay okay and and can i ask where is your uncle from uh dc washington so so how did he bring a growler of this from dc uh he didn't he went to (laughs) ruben's before the party (laughs) and bought three growlers okay gotcha (laughs) uh ruben's is now on his must stop places when he comes out here so he always finds a a way or an excuse to get up to ruben's okay well good for him yeah (laughs) Uh, so i'll just talk about one other beer and that's the oscar blues uh death by coconut Mm -hmm. um coconut stout uh which admittedly i only ended up having two or three sips of uh we get found a 12 ounce uh can of it and so we chris and i were splitting it and this is towards the end of this week and it's been tough week I had a couple sips of my half of the can and it was really good. And I knew that this beer was just absolutely up her alley. So I, I gave her the rest of mine like a gentleman. Um, but uh, the the coconut comes across so well yeah. in this beer and it's not overwhelming in any way. Uh, you know, they didn't amp up the sweetness like to, to kind of pull it to the front and make it, you know, t- cloying or anything like that i th- this beer is just really well done um and uh, i really enjoyed it Have, did i see you log this one um I, a bit ago i haven't logged it yet but i have had it 
and um, it's I did enjoy it. It's one of the better coconut uh, stouts or porters or whatever it is. Um, I liked it a lot. I think it's an Irish. Was it an Irish stout? Is that or I think it was a coconut uh, Irish porter or Irish stout. I I can't remember, but yeah, yeah, I, that, that might be right. Yeah, I bought a four pack of it, and I had one. And didn't for some reason didn't log it yet. I don't know why I didn't log it. And then I had, I I gave one to my buddy Sean. I still have two more left, and I've been waiting for my son to come over and have a beer. But he's last couple times he's come over, he hasn't felt like drinking, and so I've just been holding off. I wanted to sh- share him with him so he can uh, enjoy it too. I think he'd enjoy it. But yeah, I didn't. I did like that one. And you know what? I hope I don't forget to log it because you know sometimes you drink beers, you you think you're gonna. Log it, and then you forget about logging it. Yeah, and speaking of logging beers, just a little update for my uh, resolution. I picked up two beers on you, uh, Uniques and Untapped, uh, since we last <laughs> recorded. Yeah, because I'm also right on trail on track with my uh, resolution too to cut back, and I've yeah, been, I've cut not... back a lot. <laughs> so I'm only 129 behind. Uh, okay, when we start recording tonight. So. Okay, all right. Well, you know, I I am. Uh, I will be going uh, overseas again uh, in a couple weeks, so that's an opportunity for me to, to, you know, get ahead of you again. Just keep that in mind. You might want to start drinking heavily. <laughs> yeah, I'm aware. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, what what beer do you want to talk about? Well, I have one beer that I'm going to talk about. One that stood out above everything I drank, and I just had it today. And it is from uh, one of the breweries I talk about all the time on here out of California. It's Almanac Brewing. And, yes, it is a sour. It's one of their uh, farm-to-barrel, you know, farmer's reserve type uh, sour beers. And this one is called the Peach de Bredeville. And, my goodness, I gave it a perfect five-cap rating. This beer, this sour beer is exactly... The way I think of sour beers when I want to have a sour beer, it's got the tartness, but it doesn't linger on. It doesn't uh, cause your cheeks to pucker in, you know, and, 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 you know, give you too much of that tartness. It had a little bit of the, the peach, the peach played very well with the, the bread and the, uh, the sourness. It wasn't too much fruity. It wasn't sweet. Just had a nice little subtle peach flavor in there that that's very subtle and the the brett was i mean just perfect uh the beer is a is a is a perfect sour uh as perfect as i can imagine i mean uh, i love almanac beers but this one I, I i i don't know i can't say enough good about it and john if if you can find it please pick it up so you can um also experience this beer or unless you have have you already had this beer no, this is not one that's sitting in my fridge right now. I have a couple of theirs in the fridge uh, waiting. Um, okay, okay. But uh, yeah, I definitely need to seek this out. It's getting some high praise. So. It, it is uh, fantastic, and uh, yeah, it's one of the best sours uh, that I've had. And I did have the blueberry one also. Have you had? You have the blueberry one yet, John? Uh, blueberry, I. Actually, I don't think I have. Okay, that one's also pretty good, but this one's way better than the blueberry. The blueberry was pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, yeah, that's my that's my noteworthy beer. So I, all the listeners out there, I know that Robert, our buddy Robert uh, TPS Sponge, 
uh, he has had it, and uh, he says it's the best one of Almanac he's had. And I think, um, you know, I think Robert's just getting into the sour beer thing. So I think that as he as he dies into it more, that uh, he'll start to really start to appreciate what Almanac does with their sours because there's so many sour beers out there that just just a little bit, you know, just don't have that that uh, that skill uh, narrowed down just right yet. I and I'm even I'm I'm saying that I like Almanac sours way better than Jolly Pumpkin, and Jolly Pumpkin is supposed to be like you know one of the better sour beer things, and I think that Almanac has them hands down as far as the the type of sours that I enjoy. So yeah, that's my two cents. Okay. Nice. Yeah, so that's that's our beers, short and sweet. Now we did have a listener question, John. We had it on Facebook, and just as a little minor plug to all our listeners out there, we do have a Facebook page. You can interact with us. You can carry on after the show is over and comment, ask questions, whatever you need. You can interact with us. Go to Facebook.com/slash/tapthecraft. Go ahead and leave a whatever you know a little a little like. Uh, friend request us, like our page, whatever you want, interact with us. It's always fun. And David Yojimbo2000, he did that exact thing. He left us a question on our Facebook. Well, actually, I think he left it on my Facebook page, but I, uh, which is fine too. You can leave it on my <laughs> Facebook page. I'll, I'll see it. But, uh, here's his question. And it has to do with, uh, IPA saturation. So he says, when I go to the store, there are tons of IPAs available. It says there's rye, there's black, there's white, there's citrus, there's pine, there's grass, etc. You know, you name it. There's all kinds of IPAs out there. It says a lot of the same types are made by multiple breweries. It seems like there is an oversaturation of the IPA style. He asks, do you think there are too many IPAs out on the market? And the next question he asks is, what is the next hotness style? you see rising up. So, John, in your opinion, are there too many IPAs out there? Personally, no, because I like them. <laughs> um, but I, I know people who are tired of it because uh, they're not fans of IPA or what IPA has become because it's you know amped up in alcohol in yeah. terms of what people expect in, the, in an IPA. And so you can't really... Uh, have as many as you used to, <laughs> you yeah. know. Oh yeah. Um, but uh, for for a long time, uh, seasonal beer uh was the top seller mm -hmm. in all of craft beer, and IPA has at least tied it now. Um, in terms of yearly sales, like among craft breweries, and a friend of mine uh, has been hitting up some breweries around Seattle. He was talking to one of the uh, bartenders asking him, you know, what, what sells, like, you know, what's your, what do, what do you see, um, go faster than anything else? And the guy said, doesn't matter what, what kind of IPA it is. It will sell four to one, anything else on tap. Yeah. Um, it, it's just what people want, um, right now. Mm -hmm. Uh, so I personally don't have a problem with it, but I, I like them. Um, so, but I can see the other the other side of that, and uh, I don't know. In terms of the next the next hotness, that's tough. Uh, I I don't know if I see a 
specific style. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, I am going to stick with my, my session prediction that we're going to see a, a bigger rise of low ABV. Stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, uh, I, I don't know if that will end up manifesting itself in a, in a single style. Um, I know a lot of breweries are pushing the session IPAs, but not many have unlocked it, the secrets of that yet. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. What What do you think? You think there's too many? I I agree with you. I like IPA. Uh, I think it's a. I think a lot. Like we've already mentioned, a lot of new people that are that are getting into craft beer, looking for something different than than the Bud, the Budweisers, the Coors, and the Millers. You know, when they're drinking that stuff and they come into craft beer, they want the thing that is the most different. And IPA is definitely that thing. So a lot of new craft beer drinkers, you know, if, if they, if they get right into it right away, they're, they're gonna, you know, they're, they're gonna, you know, go for the IPA. And I have a lot of friends that that's all they drink is IPAs. And that's fine. I don't have a problem with it. The problem I have is that when I go to, like, for example, my Brewers Haven, where we have beers there quite a bit. They have six beers on tap. When I go there and five of them are an IPA or double IPA or a black IPA or some kind of IPA style, and one of them is some other thing that maybe like a, it might be a sour or it might be a cider or it might be a stout. Uh, it's frustrating that there's not a variety. Uh, and so that's where it gets kind of frustrating is that I like to have more variety when I go out. Uh, I, you know, if I go to the store, I can buy whatever I want. And there's plenty of other styles besides IPAs. There's still a ton of IPAs out there, but there's other styles too. And, but when I go out to a restaurant or to a bar or whatever, it seems like the most stuff that they have on tap is IPAs right now. And, and that's fine. I, and if I want, what's nice though is that now that there are different kinds of IPAs, you know, the, the black IPA or Cascadian dark ale, you know, that is something I can have that if I want to have something that's different than a regular IPA, I can have that. I'll get some, a little bit of that roasty malt in there if I'm lucky, uh, along with my bitterness. Uh, but, but yeah, I, I, do I think it's oversaturated? I think there is kind of a, a little too much myself. I, I mean, I just think it's gone a little, little crazy, but I don't mind it because I like hoppy beer. So it, you know, I win anyway. I just, I, I think, too, like you with the, what next hot style is, is not one particular style. And as we already, you, you and I both had the resolution for this year that we're going to see a lot more sessionable ales out there. Uh, and, uh, and I would like what my personal, what I would like to see is I would love to see more lagers, you know, become more popular. You know, a lot of the styles, you know, some dark lagers and some, you know, some, some lagers to just get out there and, and be more, prominent in the craft beer beer world uh there's not enough i don't think and if i told you two years ago that that would be what you wanted you, i would have you told would, uh, you no yeah you disagreed with me yeah <laughs> and again that's my that's how my craft beer journey has gone i went from hating lagers to lo- absolutely loving lagers and um it's I, i'm pretty happy i'm pretty happy that i i can go and see a beer and it will be a, a pilsner even and I'll say, you know what? Give me that Pilsner, and I'll order a pint of Pilsner, which I would have never ordered Pilsners two years ago, period. I hated Pilsners. And now now I can go and I can see a Pilsner, and I want to try it. 
to see if it's one I like. And maybe I'll be surprised. I was surprised by that Powderhouse uh, Hoppy Pilsner they have. That thing is fantastic. I loved it. Uh, so, yeah, if I don't try it, I won't know if I like it. All right. Well, hopefully, David, that helped, uh, you know, answer your question that, uh, you know, I don't know, oversaturated, maybe. But uh, for John and I, it's okay. Uh, and, David, why don't you let us know, are you tired of seeing IPAs? Are, are you looking for something different? Is that what uh, the question is all about, is that you – you're kind of like, wow, all I see is IPAs and I want, you know, something different. I want some of these other styles out there. You know, give me some more red ales or give me some brown ales. How come we don't have enough brown ales out there? We need more brown ales. And not, not just nut browns. We need some different American browns and some, some other solid brown ales. That'd be, that's a good intermediate thing between, uh, you know, before you get to porters and stouts. All right, John, are you ready for a brew buzz? I am ready. Oh, I'm I'm glad you're ready because uh, this is this is a question that was asked by our good buddy, uh, devious Mister Matt Matt Helmer from the Forty Cast. Uh, when we were on there uh, tearing up his show a few weeks ago, he uh, he had a question of a topic that he wanted us to cover. So this week we're going to cover a homebrew topic for Mister Matt Helmer. And don't worry, guys, if you're not into home brewing, it doesn't mean you can't, you know, get a lot of information out of here because uh, this will, you know, tell you about how the next step, you can start off easy home brewing and you can then get into a little bit more complex, more like the real brewers do it in the in the breweries. And we're going to talk about switching over from the malt extract brewing to an all-grain brewing process at your home brew. You know, what you... What you know? What the process is all about? What the equipment you need, and how difficult or easy it is, and uh, some pitfalls and some different stuff. And since John is our home brewer expert, he will be leading the way on this topic. So, John, you have the floor. All right. So, yeah, I mean, when when we talk about making this switch, uh, I guess the first step is why? Why would we want to do that? Um. So, you know, some of the good things for, for moving from, from malt extract, uh, which is just a powder or syrup that you get from your homebrew shop, uh, that, that's all you really need. Um, it's just a concentrated wort, essentially, um, to all grain brewing. <clears throat> and, you know, one of the first things is more control over your recipe. Uh, you can use, a pretty much, I mean, any grain that you want. Um, you know, when you're doing, uh, extract brewing, a lot of your flavor comes from steeping grains and not everything can be steeped. Uh, some things have to be mashed. Uh, so, um, you, you do have some limitations there. Uh, you know, more control over your finished beer. Um, you know, when you're using extract, somebody's already done the mashing for you. They've, uh, taken that step out of your hands. So you're kind of stuck with whatever they did to it. Uh, so things like mouthfeel, if you, if you want a, you know, a really thick stout, uh, or, or something like that, you may not be able to achieve it because they didn't mash it at a high enough temperature when they were making the extract. Mm. Um, malt complexity, there, there's different, uh, uh, steps you can do in your mash to, to up, uh, the malt complexity, even of the same grain bill, 
you know, mashed two different ways can come out differently. Um, so, you know, you just have more control of your process. And I mean, that's the biggest thing. Some, some people will say, uh, you know, it's, it's true brewing. And if you're doing malt extract, it's not really brewing. Um, I don't believe that's true. Uh, <laughs> if, you, if you're making your beer, if you're pitching the yeast, uh, you're brewing. Yeah. And yeah. good on you. Okay. So, um, so I have a couple of questions before we get yeah. move on. So, uh, this is because my na- naivety, of, uh, of, of not, you know, I've done some brewing, but, uh, but I'm, you know, I'm, I'm definitely not an expert, but if you were doing malt extract only, you're starting off in your brewing and all you're doing is, is using the malt extract, whether it's a liquid malt extract or the powder, like you said, is there any way that you could then have the capability of having a rye beer or, uh, you know, having some, like an oat, like oatmeal stout? Are you, do you still have that capability if you're using extract? Is there, are there rye extracts that you can put in there or oat extracts or whatever? Is that something you have to do in a, in an all grain or can you do it with malt extract? Uh, I've never seen a rye or oatmeal extract. Okay. Um, there, I know oats can be steeped. Um, and I think there's a form of rye that can be steeped as well, but that might be one you have to mash. Okay. Um, but you know, it's just, every grain is different. And even, you know, for the barley, different kilnings require different, um, you know, things. So, uh, you know, you can't use everything. Um, but I, I believe, you know, cause usually when we're talking an oatmeal stout, you're using flaked oats Mm -hmm. and I believe that can be steeped. Okay. Um, but, uh, I, I never, personally did it when i was doing extract so i can't say for sure okay so again part of your thing is you have more control so if you want to move up your brewing from simple recipes to things that are a little more complex or it has a you know the oatmeal stout if you want to do it the real way or if the rye beer or etc then you need to kind of move to the next step the next uh, level of brewing but you know there there's some drawbacks as well uh, it's going to be more time for your brew day. Uh, you can expect to add one and a half, two hours probably, uh, to, to the, to your brew. Um, you know, that's something that previously somebody else did for you. Uh, now you gotta take care of it. And I'll go into a little bit more of the specifics of where that time comes from, um, in a minute. But, uh, and then in addition to that, you need more equipment. Um, you got to be able to do the mash and, and rinse it out, rinse out the grains and everything to get all that sugar. Uh, you're, you're going to need a little bit more than what you currently have on hand, uh, for extract. So that, you know, that's a little more investment. Um, but there's ways to do it cheaply. Um, if you're comfortable building things, uh, we can, I mean, you can put something together for not, not too much. <clears throat> and, uh, even, you know, use probably some stuff you can find around the house. So, yeah, that's, that's the drawback. Uh, it's just, it's more you have to deal with, um, and potentially more you can screw up <laughs> if you're not super confident. <laughs> mm-hmm. And more, and more cleaning too, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> that's always the, the bad part at the end of the brew day, especially after you've had a couple of beers. So. <laughs> but yeah, so what are you doing in, in, when you're, when you're moving from extract to all grain, you now have to do the mash. 
Uh, and, you know, we've talked about mashing before on the show and we broke down the different uh, aspects of what goes into making the beer. Um, but let's do a quick recap, a little more focused on homebrewing ac- uh, aspect of it. Uh, but basically, uh, you're converting the starch that's in the grain into sugar, which is what the yeast wants, so it can make alcohol for you. Um, and so to do that, you'll have to have the grain crushed uh, to expose that starch inside the grain. Uh, oh, probably every homebrew store that you you could find, all the online ones, will crush the grain for you uh, if you request it. Um, if not, or they screw up and send you home with some uncrushed grain, you can crush it on your own in like a Ziploc bag with a rolling pin. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't recommend counting on that as your method. It's very time consuming and difficult and it doesn't really do the best job, mm-hmm. but in a pinch it could work. Is there, is there any disadvantage of having the, like you mentioned your online homebrew supply store you might order from online if if they crush it for you before they send it is there any disadvantage of having it crushed and going through the mail and i mean are you going to lose anything or is it going to is you think it's going to damage the grain the 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 starches and stuff um uh i wouldn't say that process itself being shipped uh, won't really uh damage it um once it's crushed though the shelf life is cut down dramatically okay um as as opposed to just uh uncrushed like standard grain you'd buy um so you probably only have a month before you you know really want to use it um before it could start to stale or possibly spoil i don't know i I never let it happen (laughs) Um, (laughs) but uh you know you have much much longer than that if you just have uh the grain uncrushed grain um, but you know, one downside of having the, the stores do it for you is that you don't have control over the crush either. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, which is, is part of what goes into it. Uh, you know, you, you need, a enough of the husk material to create a bed to filter and everything. So, you know, you, you don't want it pulverized into flour. Um, you know, there's a balance between exposing that interior starch and, you know, completely pul- pulverizing it. So, okay. um, but I've never had a bad experience with, with anywhere that's made a beer, like, you know, unbrewable or anything like that. So, um, but I personally mill my own malt cause I like to control all the, uh, <laughs> aspects I can. Yeah. All right. So you've got your crushed grain, uh, you have to do the mash, which is basically just mixing water with the grain uh, that'll get enzymes out of the grain in, into the water. That's going to help, or th- that's what's actually going to convert those starches into sugars. Um, and you're going to want to add water so that your mash is between 148 to 156 degrees Fahrenheit and let that sit for 30 to 60 minutes to, to do the conversion. Um, the lower end of the temperature is going to give you a thinner beer. The higher end of the temperature range is going to give you a, a thicker beer. Um, so your stouts are going to be up in that 154 to 156. You know, some of your lagers and things like that will be down 148 to 150. 
Um, and then in between is where 90% of the other beers will live, um, in, in terms of your mash temperature. And you know, that this is the, this part's the easy part. You just get it all mixed in there and you let it sit, um, and go do other things, uh, or enjoy a beer. So, um, <laughs> and then the, the, the last part, um, is sparging. And after your 30 to 60 minutes is up, you need to rinse the grain to get all the sugar out. Um, so, uh, for most homebrewers, they do a batch sparge, uh, which means they'll drain out all the water that has been sitting with the grain for the last hour, um, add in new water uh, that will get them to their full volume, um, you know, for your five-gallon batch, and then let that mix in for like 10 minutes and then drain that out and add it to the, to the first water in your, in your boil kettle and then just start your boil. Um, it's not difficult. Uh, you need to make sure you get the volumes right. Uh, there are tons of calculators online that'll help you with that if you are worried about it or if you have any kind of brewing software, it'll do it for you. Um, so that's not a big deal. Uh, but you know, that, that's really, it's not, it's not a difficult process overall. It's just more that you need to account for and pay attention to on your brew day. All right. So how do you, you're going to have to boil, or not boil, but heat water up and then put it into your cooler that we're going to talk about here in a minute and then let it sit in there for 30 to 60 minutes. Then your sparge water, is it also going to be at the same temperature as the water you use to hold this, the mash or can it be, what's the optimum temperature for that? It should be about the same or can it be cooler? So you want it at least the same. Um, most people actually use a little bit hotter, um, around 165 to 168. Um, and that will actually stop the enzymes from oh, breaking okay. down starch into sugar, just to, or starch into sugar and, and kind of neutralize everything and just hold it where it okay. is. Okay. Um, but, uh, for home brewers, this process doesn't take that long. Um, you know, it, when you're on a larger scale, it can it can take longer to to filter through 30 barrels of worth of grain and water, and, you know, everything else. Yeah. So the amount of time it takes you to sparge it, get it into your kettle, and get it, get the temperature up above that 165, 168 range, it, it's not going to negatively impact your beer. Okay. So there, a lot of people don't even bother with that, but uh, I'd say you want to at least try to match it. Um, because, uh, warmer water, it's going to help, uh, get that sugar into solution off the grain that's still stuck on there. You know, mm -hmm. uh, cooler water, the sugar's not going to be as willing to, to leave with the water. So, okay. All right. So we need more equipment. What you'll see from most people is a cooler. Um, it can be just your standard, you know, rectangular 48 quart cooler. Um, something like that. Uh, I, when I used a cooler, I actually used like a beverage cooler, like when you'd have on the sideline of a, a game or in the mm -hmm. dugout or something like that. Um, and, uh, that's going to hold your temperature for you. Um, you know, you'll, you might lose a degree or two over the course of that, that time, but it, you're, you're fine. Um, you know, and, and that's, the biggest part of, of all this is just maintaining that temperature where you need it. Um, 
because that's why we're doing this, you know, to, to get that control and to, to make the beer the way we want to. And if you got something just sitting, you know, and, and something that can't hold that heat, well, then you just negated all the, the reason for, for doing it. <laughs> um, but with the cooler, uh, you need a way to filter the grain out um, so that it doesn't come out when you drain the the water out. Um, there are little like screens that you can buy and hook up to the inter- inside of the cooler. Um, you can build like a little manifold out of copper, um, which is what I did um, for mine. Uh, you basically take copper pipe and score it with a saw like mm-hmm. every quarter inch or so just to let a, pl- a place for the the water to leave that's not big enough for the grain to get through um it's really really simple um and then uh you need to be able to drain it so you need to use gravity or a pump um so basically just have your cooler up on the counter and be able to drain it into something on the floor and then lift it up and dump it in wherever it needs to go mm-hmm. um, or use a pump and save your back. Uh, but that's more cost and equipment. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will say getting pumps was like one of the best things I ever did <laughs> for my brewery. Uh, I feel so much better after brew day than <laughs> lifting everything all the time and dumping it out. Yeah. Um, but uh, actually we'll have a, a link in the, in the show notes for this on how to build um a cooler mash ton. Um, I just saw a nice little write-up today from the Homebrews Association. So I will stick that in there and you can see the, the details of it. Um, it. It's really, you can do it in an afternoon. It's not difficult. Um, and, uh, you know, it's cool to, to build your own stuff. I mean, a, a lot of people, that's a big part of the hobby. Um, uh, but the... I want to mention another method, which I've never personally done, um, but it's really big in Australia and it's becoming big in the U.S. Um, now, and that's brewing a bag. And it sounds like you're just, you know, buying a, a bag of beer or something and, you know, adding yeast to it. But uh, what it actually means is you're you're just using one pot. So you, you have a pot that's big enough to do all your boiling in and your mash. And when you do the mash, you add all the water that you need um, to, to make the beer. You add all your grains inside a bag that, that basically lines the entire kettle. Hmm. Um, and then uh, you, you mash in there. And when the mash is done, you just lift the bag out and let it drain into the, to the kettle and start your boil. Um, this is m- much cheaper than mm-hmm. the other route. Um, but keep in mind, you do need to lift a bag full <laughs> of, you know, 12 pounds of grain that is now soaked up a lot of water too. So it's going to be even heavier. Yeah. Um, you got to let that drain out. Um, <laughs> I've, I've seen people use, uh, like, a just an A-frame ladder, like they lift it up and then just tie it off and let it, drain out um i have seen people use like a a hoist and winch system to pull it out (laughs) i mean whatever you you want to do but um you know it's it's a nice cheap way to to get into it 
Um, and, you know, it's less stuff. You got to have space to store and everything else. Uh, clean up is a lot easier. Um, but, uh, you know, a, a lot of people are doing this now and are really enjoying it. Um, and it's a lot easier now in the U.S. to get a bag, like a mesh bag big enough to do this um, than it was a few years ago because um, there's, you know, companies that are now offering it because people want it here. Um, but uh, I definitely look into that if, if you're uh, gun shy on building the cooler or maybe don't have the funds. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think but it's that, definitely something to look at. Yeah, I think that might be a, a good starting point for Matt when he wants us to try his hand at, at the all grain. He can go to his homebrew shop, get it already, you know, get the grains he needs, get them already, um, you know, milled. Uh, and then, uh, you know, get a bag and then put it in there. Now, now he, he spends, you know, whatever it costs for the bag, 15 bucks, and he can try it. And if he likes it, then, and it's easy enough for him, then he can go ahead and say, okay, the next step is to go build myself a cooler and then move the, you know, the, yeah, this is the kind of brewing I want to do. Cause I don't want him to, to go through all that hassle of building the cooler, spending the money and the time and then realizing, wow, this is way too much work that I want to do. I just want to be able to drink more beer and not do so much work while I'm brewing beer. Yeah. And, you know, I did mention needing to keep the temperature up, uh, you know, with, if you're doing it in the, in the kettle, you know, metal conducts heat very well. It's not going to hold temperature like the cooler will. Um, but you can wrap it in blankets, uh, if you have a really big oven, you can put it in your oven at 150 <laughs> degrees and it'll help hold it. Um, I've seen people use their like electric smokers in that way. Um, wow. Just set it for 150 degrees, stick the kettle in there um, to help maintain the temperature. Uh, you can use like the Reflectix uh, stuff that you can get at a hardware store. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's ways to, to help it keep the temperature. Um, but that's, that's, probably your biggest concern if you go brew in a bag is how do you keep the heat in so okay wow well excellent job john i uh i think you covered all the bases and of course we'll have that link in the show notes you can find it on the webpage uh, at openforumradio.com where our show post is be the easiest way to get that but anything else john i think you i think you did a good job no, I think that's it. Um, yeah, this was, you know, really just covering the bases. If you really want to know more, uh, Google's your friend or, you know, even just send us a, an email. I'll be happy to answer questions in more detail because um, it can be a little specific to your situation. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Enjoy brewing this way. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. Yes. One out. I, now I know for sure I'm not ready for that step yet. I better start with the malt extract. But I know that when I do start brewing, I'm just going to go all in from the you know the hardest stuff possible. So hopefully I won't fail. Nah, you're, you're <laughs> anal enough. You won't. You won't fail. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Okay, well let's uh, move in to a news article. It's not really news. It's more just informational article. And this article is from the craftbeer.com website. And the, the article is, is uh, named Six Super Bowl-Worthy Appetizers Made with Beer. And because Super Bowl weekend is the weekend after this gets released, what, what better story 
to talk about than to make up a couple or a half dozen different appetizers with beer to enjoy with your beer while you're watching football. And uh, I'm, I'm, we're just going to talk about some of these and very quickly. And uh, I'll have a link on the show notes that you can go find it and check them out yourself if you're interested in making these at home. So the first one that they mention is a Belgian triple honey black pepper chicken wings. Wow, that sounds fantastic to me. What does that sound good to you, John? Uh, yeah. I, you know, I don't know. It sounds like it could be a lot of work, though. I don't know. I, uh, I'm really simple with my wings. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I thought the same thing, and I went to the link, and it doesn't look that hard. Um, it's actually only a few ingredients. Uh, you do need to have a, a 12 ounce Belgian style triple to put in there. So, uh, you know, you gotta find a good triple, but that's not hard to do. There's some good ones out there, but yeah, it, it, it I mean, there's a little bit of work. It's not like just opening the, the old bottle of, uh, of, uh, red hot, you know, or whatever that stuff. What, what do you use? What is that? Uh, Frank's, Frank's, uh, oh, wing yeah. sauce. <laughs> dumping it into a pan and mixing your wings. This is a little bit more work than that. But, hey, if you want to have a beer, uh, you know, a, a chicken wing sauce that has a, a beer in it, this one looks pretty good. It says one hour to prepare, so it's not that much work. One hour. Yeah, I guess I guess you'd just be making the sauce and doing your wings would be the same as, as what you ever did before. Yeah, so. yeah. These aren't crusted, though. They're just a sauce. It says uh, uh, it is a Belgian-style triple uh, that was is bold enough to stand up to the butter-coated, crispy wings, but balanced enough not to end up overly bitter from the reduction because you're going to reduce that that beer. Uh, you're going to boil it off a little bit so it's not – it'll be a lot uh, more reduced. But, yeah, you're going to get some good uh, good, good triple action in there, Belgian triples. So I, I think that's one I'm going to have to try eventually myself. Uh, the other one – that is looks pretty easy and sounds pretty good. Is a slow cooked Doppelbach barbecue meatballs. This is a quick and easy. Just grab your crock pot, your favorite Doppelbach, and you can make these meatballs pretty pretty damn fast. So yeah, I'm, I'm all over this one. Yeah, uh, we we do a crock pot meatball already. So mixing it up a little bit with some bar uh, Doppelbach in there as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean. Yeah. This one does have a little bit more ingredients than the other one, but uh, it only says it's only 10 minutes to prep. So, man, you can't go wrong. 10 minutes. But if if you're spending more than 10 minutes to prep a, a Crock-Pot meal, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> That's like, true. You're missing the point. <laughs> That's true. That's true. That's true. Uh, so, yeah, that one's one that sounds like you could easily make for the Super Bowl this, this coming up. Uh, the other one that, that hey – uh, you know, who doesn't like bacon? These are bacon wrapped American Pilsner brats. Hell yeah. I think, uh, I could actually do some of that. That sounds pretty good. Uh, and uses a Pilsner. Yeah. So is it, is it like just doing brats and beer and wrapping it? I'm, yeah. So yeah, okay. you, you I'm just, uh, just going through the recipe right yeah, it's now. the same yeah, thing. It's... You just cook the brats like you normally would, boil them in beer and then, uh, throw in some, some, uh, you know, wrapping with some bacon. <laughs> this one takes 20 minutes to prep. Uh, yeah, not too, not too bad. 
anything with bacon you can you can get me uh on board with so. yeah yeah so now you need some finger food that uh, snack uh more on the sweet side we got some brown ale caramel corn with pretzels and pecans oh my gosh that sounds to die for right there huh? it's got everything i love i love pretzels i love pecans and i love brown ale what could be what could be uh better than that yeah that that sounds delicious yeah i <laughs> <laughs> I'm just looking at the the picture they have along with it. Makes this looks really good. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And obviously, we'll have the link up there so you can see this picture. Oh too. yeah, for sure, for sure. Now I realize yeah. that it's terrible podcasting. This picture is amazing. Yeah, no, but you know, I'll, just the description says it all. Everyone wants to have something like this, but it says there's 20 minutes of prep, but the cooking time is an hour and 15 minutes. So. Be prepared. You make this ahead of time. Don't wait until right before the game starts. You want to have this uh, uh, ready. And it's just like cooking any kind of caramel. If anyone's done caramel corn, um, you know, popcorn, homemade, it's the same same, same thing. My grandmother used to make some fantastic caramel corn every Christmas. We'd make it and eat it, and my teeth would feel like it had fallen out, cavities, or my <laughs> fillings would, would be busted open, and, I mean, just really sticky stuff. Good yeah. Stuff. Well, and and when you're making your own caramel like sauce for it, you got to pay attention because the difference between caramel and burnt sugar is yeah. not that far off. So. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you got to be really careful. Really careful. Yeah, All right. So, yeah. Do this before you started drinking for the game. <laughs> for sure. For sure. Okay. Here's a little dip. Little dip action is an IPA caramelized onion dip. Yep. Wow. It says made with four different types of cheese: Swiss sharp white cheddar. Uh, Gruyere, Gruyere, <laughs> and cream cheese, and uh, and also it has bacon in it. Hey, come on, more bacon and cheese. Yep. I'm in. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Okay, yeah. That sounds. I, I'm ready. To, I'm ready for Super Bowl right now. Uh, let's let's do it. And the the last one is another snack mix. This is the sriracha stout Chex mix. It says this snack. Mix provides that perfect sweet and spicy combo that keeps folks coming back for more. Check out uh, this uh, at the Ale Meals, and they have a lot of other stuff there. So, yeah, if you like a little spicy stout checks mix, uh, hey, give it a shot. Give it a shot. And what's nice, too, is that at the uh, craftbeer.com site, they also list beers that would go well with this. So, if, you know, if you want to find a good brown ale, to use for it, they've got a few uh, from around the, the nation. Same thing with the IPAs and this and the uh, stouts and the pilsners and the Doppelbox and the triples. They have uh, f- like five or six examples of, of all those that you can find. So if you don't know which beer would work well with it, then uh, there you go. They give you a beer that that would work well. All right, that is the uh, the article. I just wanted to. I thought that'd be a fun one to give to you guys, our listeners, uh, right before Super Bowl that you guys could try out and let us know if you tried the recipes and how did it turn out? Was it what you expected or was there, was it a little different? Let us know on Twitter, email, Facebook, however you want. Just you know, keep us informed. Yeah, I think I might, I might throw those meatballs into my, my menu for, for our party this year. Okay. So. Do it. <laughs> yeah. I'm doing I'm doing some pulled pork and I was thinking about doing a, a smoked meatball, but I might 
I might go this way instead. All so. right. Excellent. Excellent. See, so, yeah, I'm glad that we were, I was here to help. Yeah. Thank something. you. <laughs> okay, John. Well, guess what? It's, uh, we're, you know, keeping with our promise to our listeners to keep the short, the shows a little bit shorter this year. And it's time to uh, wrap up. But before we wrap up and say goodbye, uh, is there anyone you'd like to raise a glass to this week? Uh, yeah, raise a glass to our, our friends over at Flux Deposed. Uh, we've talked about their uh, Battle of the Beer series that they put up on YouTube. And their Flux Deposed podcast just hit 100 episodes. So uh, congrats, guys. Cheers. Uh, you've made it this far. I'm looking forward to uh, the next 100. So, excellent, excellent. Yeah, I uh, I wasn't able to to join that live recording last night. I was busy drinking beers and watching some a movie with my wife, and I forgot all about it until I saw Twitter after it was all over that I missed it. Did you happen to have a chance to jump on there and listen at all? Uh, no, I was um in the middle of an epic brew day. Uh, oh, which, cool! Uh, there'll be a write up. <laughs> for uh probably uh well definitely by the time this this airs um it was almost 12 hours oh wow <laughs> okay um yeah I, I was hoping to tune in for some of it but uh this day took longer than i expected so i didn't didn't make it well but, i look uh, i look forward to reading about it yeah so but yeah i'm, I'm looking forward to, to hearing the the 100th episode and um and what they they have coming forward from now on yeah let's let's get 200 okay well i i just want to raise my glass also to the flexibles podcast for making 100 uh at, it's a it's a good feat i've listened to all 100 uh, and, and i started at 50 but uh, i went back and listened to the first 50 because i enjoyed those guys so i I'm, I'm fully caught up so yeah raise my glass to them and also to all of our great listeners out there i really do appreciate all of your interactions on all the social medias just keep it up and uh, thank you for uh, letting john and i talk to you every two weeks about beer and thanks for listening i also want to thank open forum radio network for supporting the show and for providing the hosting space at openforumradio.com and also uh you know i want to thank all the military men and women out there who are protecting our freedoms to allow john and i to drink beer brew beer and talk about beer uh, without these freedoms uh, being protected, you know, we wouldn't have them. We'd be, you know, we wouldn't be here. So just thank you. And uh, I want you guys to return home safely soon. Every two weeks we have, uh, we do a tasting, a listener participation tasting notes segment. And for the next episode, we want you guys to go out and find a, a, a can or a six pack of the Oscar Blues Old Chub Scotch Ale. It comes in cans. In fact, uh, Oscar Blue's Old Chub was like one of the first canned beer, craft beers, actually the first canned craft beer I had ever had back in like 2004, I think it was. I, I saw that the, they had canned beer, craft beer, and I was like, what? Only crappy beer comes in cans. Well, guess what? That is not true, and now a lot of beers come in cans. But, hey, go go find it. Oscar Blue's is soon going to be... In every state. So I think they're in majority of them right now. So that's our tasting notes for next week. So grab a, grab a beer. 
And if you'd like to contact the show, you can reach us through email at tapthecraft at gmail.com or you can follow us on Twitter at tapthecraft and you can leave comments on the show post at openforumradio.com or Google Plus. Just search for Tap the Craft. And I, like I already mentioned earlier, we do have a Facebook community page. So visit the page at facebook.com slash tap the craft and like our page and interact with us. And you can follow me personally on Twitter, Instagram, and untapped at loose screw and on Google plus at Denny loose. And John, if our listeners want to interact with you on social media, how can they do that? On Twitter at prime brewing untapped prime WA. And I've actually been writing in my blog where I talk about homebrewing and beer at homebrewengineer.com. Yes, you have. And it's awesome. Go, go out there and read it. All right, well, it is last call, and it is time to bring the show to a close. We want to thank you for downloading and listening to the show, and we hope that you were able to find some very interesting and useful information on beer. And if you'd like to subscribe to the show, uh, you can find us on iTunes or Stitcher Radio or on TuneIn Radio or however you listen to podcasts. Just go and hit that subscribe button, and you'll have us in your ears every two weeks. Oh, yeah, and we release a show every two weeks. Now go out there and spread the good word of craft beer. Cheers. Cheers. So... John, why did you say that? That just totally messed me up. Did you really graduate school in 2004? I did. Oh, my gosh. I feel so old. Oh, I am an old man. All right. And, uh, okay. <laughs> so yeah. I've completely derailed the show. I, am, um, I, I, feel, I feel like I should just be, I should. Go dig a grave somewhere. <laughs> oh, don't do that. Oh. I want to have a beer with you at least one more time. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah, you totally threw me off with that. Like, <laughs> I started thinking about it. I was like, are you serious? <laughs> well, I, that's why I didn't say it, but I wanted to just put it out there. <laughs> apparently, you are too easily derailed by my typing in the thing. Because I wanted to make sure that I, I didn't miss something or you wanted to say something. Because sometimes I won't look over at the thing and then I'll miss something that you wanted to not do or do. So I'm, I've been trying to be better at well, I appreciate that. And now that I know that, I'll try not to <laughs> screw with you that way. <laughs> that was funny. One hour. How's that? Uh, my recording says 39 minutes. <laughs> Well, you, I forgot. Even after you said, I'm starting my recording. <laughs> wow. I am so glad I don't have to rely on you, John. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> oh. ah, we yeah, did it. You need to get like a verbal confirmation from me that I have started recording. Well, I <laughs> because thought, one of these times it's going to bite us. Yeah. Well, I thought, uh, I thought talking about it was, that mean you were going to do it. You were going to start recording. Well, but I was doing something else when you remember I said I was silencing my phone and everything else when you were talking about it. So then I didn't do it. Okay. No problem. But it's not really your fault that I didn't do it. <laughs> but 
I need like an extra layer of uh, assurance that I actually do that. So Okay. Hey, it's Shaver from Open Forum Radio here. Want to go ahead and take a second to say thank you for checking out this episode of Tap the Craft. And I would like to encourage each of you to check out some of the other shows that we have here on the Open Forum Radio Podcast Network. Uh, we'll start it off with the original Open Forum Radio, The 40 Cast, Prove Your Point, Geeks for the Win, I Recommend, My Peanut Gallery, The Married Gamers, Some Other Castle, Gamer Husbands Radio, The OMG Hour, Gamers Unscripted, Just Press Start, Platform Junkies, and Jobbers on the Mic. Hey, be cool. Give a great review to all the shows you like on iTunes, Podbay, Stitcher, everywhere you can give reviews. Review every show five times, and you are officially a good listener. Also, go ahead and visit openforumradio.com, links to all the different shows. Uh, like the Open Forum Radio Facebook page, and... Uh, Take a second, if you like playing games online and with people and are cool, to uh, go ahead and look at Zabari's Gamer Information Spreadsheet. Fully useful information that will do nothing but enhance your online gaming experience. All right, folks, take it easy. Have a good day.